On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors take down the Denver Nuggets 125-110. And while this team remains very, very flawed, there's one thing that seems for certain, the starters freaking rock. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1360 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube. We passed over the, the threshold, 3,000 subs. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed to the channel. Shout out to Carson, who uh, noted in the comments yesterday, he was the 3,000th subscriber, having been an Apple podcast listener for a long time. Coming over to the YouTube to check out my mug, which again is the biggest advertising piece for going to subscribe to the YouTube channels, looking at me every single day. Why would you not want to look at me Thanks to Carson. Thanks to everybody else who has subscribed to the channel. And uh, let's keep on going. Jump on in there if you haven't yet. Subscribe and join our little Locked On Raptors YouTube family. Get to hang out when the episodes premiere. Sometimes I'm in the chat there, you know, kind of, you know, cracking wise, doing the thing. It's always appreciated to hang out with the folks over there. And today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? And this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, all caps in the game. More on them a little later on. Let's get to it. On today's show, we are going to talk about uh, a lot of good stuff from this game. The Raptors taking down the Nuggets. Really exciting. Fred Van Vliet going off. The Raptors starters kicking ass once again. We will get into some struggles for one Precious Achua and what to do about his minutes going forward. We've got the good, the bad, and the hmm to get into as well. But let's start with the, the, the no pun intended, with the starters, uh, shall we? The Toronto Raptors starters continue to be extremely freaking good. And for, you know, the, the, I guess they, they've won three games with this starting lineup now. They're three and four in the seven games it's been together. Uh, those three games they have won have largely been in, you know, contributed or attributed to the starting five. The four games they've lost certainly not been the fault of the starting five because the starting five is just crushing opponents whenever they're on the floor right now. Just after last night's action, let's run through the numbers, shall we? Right now, the Toronto Raptors starting five in 150 minutes played. It's now the third most used lineup for the Raptors, closing in very quickly on the second most used lineup for the Raptors. 125.4 offensive rating, 106.6 defensive rating, a plus 18.8 net rating, a 66.2 assist percentage. The ball's moving. It's popping. It's getting into guys' hands and out quickly. Buckets are going down quick. 55% rebound rate. They're demolishing both the offense and defensive glass. 
Uh, it's been a blast to watch. And last night against the Nuggets, probably their best overall performance. A plus 25 in 19 minutes for the starters on the floor last night. They scored 66 points in those 19 minutes. Of course, that first quarter, 49-burger uh, doing a lot of the work there. They weren't in there for the entire quarter, but a good chunk of it. And of all lineups, now with last night's game in the books, of all lineups in the NBA that have played 150 or more minutes, which is still not the hugest sample size or anything like that, but it's substantial, it's meaningful, you can start to pull some takeaways from that sample size, 150 plus minutes, 106 lineups in the NBA, five-man groups have played 150 minutes of floor time together or more this season, and the Raptors starters are third in net rating of all of those 106 lineups behind only the Warriors starters, which is one of the best lineups we've ever freaking seen, and that bizarre DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Beverly, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic lineup that's been kind of cruising lately for the Bulls. Uh, number three is that Raptors starting five. Again, very small sample, all told. Uh, you know, the most used lineups in the NBA are on to like 800 minutes used uh, so far this season. The Raptors might get there by season's end considering... They're leaning on the starter so much, but just a, a really impressive performance from those guys last night. You, you get some moments of hairiness, I'd say. You know, second quarter, the offense kind of dries up a little bit. The third quarter, obviously, the Nuggets win it 36-26 and kind of go on a run late. Jakob Pertl checks out, and instantly things kind of tumble downwards, and we'll talk about a big reason for that in the next segment when we get to Precious Achua, but... The starters come back in. They play Yaka Pirtle at the start of the fourth quarter, which we haven't seen a whole lot of. Eventually, they get to the full starting starting lineup to close the game, and they just put this one away, like really emphatically as well. Never felt after about the six or seven minute mark like they were at risk of losing this one, which is impressive against the Nuggets team, which has made a living of destroying teams' hopes in the fourth quarter with their incredible crunch time offense and overall crunch time performance. The Raptors withstood that. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet deserves a ton of credit for what he did in this game. 36 points, 3 boards, 7 assists, 3 steals, 13 of 22, goes 8 of 12 from 3. Uh, he was outstanding. He, he just seems to really kind of have control of this offense right now. Alvin Williams was kind of going off, of course, the, the classic point guard, getting really happy about the point guard play, uh, but it totally made sense last night. Fred Van Vliet just like dictated the action of this game so beautifully, and uh, yeah, just outstanding stuff from him. You have OG Ananobi, of course, getting the Nikola Jokic guarding assignment, which, you know, he didn't quite fare as well as he did last week against Jokic, where he really limited him to, you know, not shooting at all, really. In this game, Jokic goes 8 of 9 shooting against OG, but over the 47 partial possessions that OG guarded Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets scored 47 points to keep this Nuggets offense with the best offensive player in basketball on the floor to a point per possession is bloody impressive, no matter the, the length of time that you're doing it for. And OG guarded Jokic for more than eight full minutes uh, of floor time in this game, by far the most of any Raptor guarding Jokic. And he again, he just does enough to make it just a little bit harder for Jokic than he wants it to be. Uh, and the Raptors were bailed out in this one by the Nuggets role players just not doing a whole lot. You know, Jamal Murray goes one of eight from three in this game. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was bombing away because that's what he does. He's horrifying, man. My God. Uh, but, you know, not much off the bench for the Nuggets in this game. Kind of a Raptors-y bench performance outside of Bruce Brown, to, to, to be honest. Six of 25 from three. But the Raptors did a great job of kind of making sure 
that Jokic didn't have those outlets to kind of spray all sorts of passes around uh, to find cutters going baseline, you know, just kind of use his own leverage to create looks for others. The Raptors did a good job of staying at home. OG really didn't have the help of double teams all that often. And sure, Jokic got free for enough in this game. He was 10 of 13, you know, 28, 8 and 7. And you consider that maybe kind of a quiet night for Jokic, which speaks to what a ridiculous player he is. But uh, OG did just enough in that sort of single face guarding situation against Jokic to keep the Raptors defense honest on the back end and not get cooked by the Nuggets machine which really gets set into motion whenever you send extra bodies Jokic's way and he can start picking you apart I was concerned in the first uh, offensive possession for the Nuggets last night when OG's guarding Jokic beautifully there's a 45 cut Jokic hits a like a just a beautiful casual behind the back bounce pass like nothing and it's like uh oh if that's what he's doing tonight then maybe they're screwed but we didn't really see much of that afterwards so really good stuff from OG and Anobi and uh you know the the bigger part too offensively OG and Fred combining for 23s attempted hitting uh what the hell's the math on this one hitting 12 of them obviously is a beautiful luxury but just 20 attempts up even if you only hit eight of them or seven of them the volume there super valuable especially to that starting five which is dealing with some cramped spacing because of the Pascal Scotty Yak situation, which is still kind of ironing itself out. And you could say, hey, it's concerning that Pascal Siakam hasn't found his sort of comfortable comfort zone in this starting five yet. And sure, there is some concern baked in there. You want to see Pascal get back to his previous levels, and he's working in a not an environment that's a lot more difficult for him to kind of get comfortable and get to his spots. He's not getting to the line at all right now. But I find it actually kind of encouraging that this starting lineup is still destroying every team it plays, has that plus 18.8 net rating, is looking incredible on both ends of the floor, with Pascal Siakam looking very out of sorts. And look, if you think Pascal Siakam is just a 15-5-5 guy now, sure, you can go ahead and think that, but I, I think history suggests he's going to figure this out at some point. He's a much better player than what we've seen over the last six to ten games or whatever it's been. Um, and if he does kind of get it back and, and does rediscover some form here before the end of the season, that's going to be trouble because this starting five is already annihilating teams. It's a total steamroller right now. And I think there's still upward mobility for it. There's a chance for it to get even more effective and more potent if Pascal can kind of find his groove. Um, you know, you're seeing Scotty Barnes feeling a little bit more comfortable as a wing. He's driving a lot more. He's got 10 point. Uh, what's the number I have here? Uh, his drives per game are up to blah, 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 losing the number here. It doesn't matter. They're up from 6.7 to 10.3, I believe. So he's driving more often. He's getting into the teeth of the defense. He's making things happen there. He's keeping possessions moving, which is really nice to see. I just think as this lineup gets more time together, it's going to start to even look even more cohesive and more kind of on the string on both ends of the floor. And that's really exciting to me. Um, and, you know, look, is it a good thing necessarily in the big picture that the Raptors need to rely on this lineup for like 20 to 27 minutes a game just to win games and, and barely so? No, it's not. Like That's not what you want. You want to have some ability to play your other players and have success in those minutes 
But right now, the reality is, for this Raptors team, it seems they're just cursed to only ever have five good players at one time. And if that's the case, considering the circumstances, considering there's probably going to be some change this offseason, maybe it's just you clear out the bench and kind of reassemble the bench on the fly around this, this starting group. Maybe that's exactly the move to make, considering how successful the starters have been and how bad the bench has been. But for me, like... Yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah, you'd like to not have to lean on that lineup so much. But for now, like, let it rip. Like, what do I care? They're, like, they're not going to go deep in the playoffs or anything like that. You're not saving them for May and June. And so try to get as many reps as you can with this group. Get as much floor time together. Try to you, you try your very best to get Pascal comfortable and incorporated into what they're doing. And maybe you, you come out of the, the rest of this season feeling even better than you do about the starters right now than you probably already do because it feels pretty good right now. Um, so, yeah, it's not the best. You don't want to have to lean on them so much, but maybe, just maybe, considering the circumstances of this season, it's fine to let them run heavy, heavy minutes together. And look, they're still bringing the minutes down relatively speaking compared to where it was earlier for their for, for their biggest horses right like pascal plays 39 in this game yes that's not amazing but he is playing 41 42 a whole lot you know previously this year so even just like a few minutes you're trimming down it's effective um you know fred plays 38 minutes that's kind of what you expect honestly from fred at this point it would be nice to have a backup point guard for him to fill in that role og plays 35 scotty 37 you know they're still riding these guys a lot but I still think there's a, you know, you can probably trim a couple minutes off of here as well, considering how bloody dominant they've been and still not, you know, and still have some success, still win some games. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I'm overestimating the ability of the bench to not poop itself in the, you know, 10 minutes these guys sit. But uh, yeah, it's, it's still very encouraging. Loving the starting five. That's the big takeaway for me from this game. They rock. And uh, I, I kind of think they're only going to continue to rock more as Pascal Siakam gets a little bit more comfortable. It's cool to watch and uh, if you're looking at big picture off-season decisions again i don't think they've made any f final calls on anything right now but if you look at that starting five the results are kind of hard to argue with uh, at least so far you know there'll be more tough competition down the line big games we'll see how it all shakes out but as it stands right now halfway into the 26 game experiment with Jakob Pertl on the team the Raptors are seven and six the Raptors starting five is kicking ass and that's positive information to go into the off-season knowing hey this group can make some hay can we support it better with better bench players? All of that. That's another question entirely. We're going to come back on the other side and get into a guy on the bench who's not playing very well right now. I'm a little bit concerned about maybe would be all right not seeing play all that much in the coming games here. We'll get to Precious Achua in just one second. Before we do that, however... Got to tell you about our friends over at Ultimate Basketball GN. I'm really happy about this new sponsor because I am a mobile game freak. I'm a sports general manager game freak. I love myself a game where I can be in charge of the team. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your own basketball franchise? Well, your dream can come true. And this game is 100% for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and trading players, uh, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. I'm playing right now with a bunch of the Locked on NBA hosts. we got a little league going on. I'm not doing so hot in it because uh, other people are better at it than I am. But that's that's my thing. I'm not very good at video games. I still like them, still have a good time with them. And you can have a great time with this, whether you're good or bad. It's just fun to be there making transactions, baby. That's what it's all about in sports. 
Locked On Raptors listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise as well when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you go check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code on the screen, or look up at all the look it up at all the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the Raptors' win over the Nuggets, and one of the bigger takeaways for me on the negative side of things. We'll get to more good stuff coming up, but I do think we got to talk a little bit about Precious Achua, who obviously has been struggling. We know on Monday, Nick Nurse talked about the idea of moving him to the wing as his more sort of primary position. They did that in the first stretch of bench minutes in the first half not very great results. I mean, he got to the line four times in this game. That's good to see, but, you know, four points, four boards on 0 of 3 shooting, not exactly jumping off the page. What does jump off the page is that in 14 minutes, Precious Achua was a minus 13 in a game the Raptors won by 15 points. That's really hard to do, but I think speaks to the struggle that is going on with Precious Achua right now. And it's tough to watch, man. It just, watching the heights at the end of last season and the excitement that was just like, oh my God, this guy is hitting pull-up threes. This guy is hitting catch-and-shoot threes. He's getting it on the catch, blowing by guys and dunking on the head of Joel Embiid in the playoffs. Like, this is a real player. He's had stretches this season where it's looked similar-ish to what we saw at the end of last year. I don't think he's reached those heights or anything like that, but there have been way too many stretches. The start of the season and now, ever since the Yakup Pirtle trade, really, where he's just looked completely lost. And look, I understand part of it is the changing role, asking him to do different things, the sort of, you know, it's it's tough on a young guy who's in the development phase of his career to have to go from job to job to job and try to stay on the fly. You know, I remember this, like when I was first starting out in sports media, I had to go from unpaid internship to paid writing job to a day job that had nothing to do with sports at all. You're kind of going all around. Your brain is, you know, kind of going all over the place. You don't feel like you're doing your best at any one thing. It's kind of what it's been like for Precious Achua this year with all the different ways they've tried to deploy him. Um, and I agreed with the idea that Nick Nurse posited on Monday that we talked about in yesterday's show of moving Precious to more of a wing-predominant role as opposed to at center, just because at center, his slow decision-making really becomes obvious when the ball comes to him in the middle of the floor. Uh, he doesn't do center things like, buddy, please, just once consider making contact when setting a screen. How swell would that be? He's yet to do it, and it's it's unfair, but the arrival of Jakob Pertl has just cast a huge spotlight on all the things Precious Achua doesn't do at the center position and the things that make him less effective there. And yet, yesterday, third quarter, Jakob Pertl has four fouls. They take him out with a few minutes left in the quarter. They bring Precious in, and it coincides with the best the Nuggets looked all night. And... Again, I know the role has been all over the place, but there's just some basic stuff that has to be done. Lifting your arms up on defense and like contesting shots, setting actual screens, making quick decisions with the ball, whether it's on the wing, whether it's in the middle of the floor, like at some point the stuff has to be there and it's just not for Precious right now. And, and I don't really know what the right answer is here. Personally, I'd be okay if Precious took a little time out from rotation time going forward for the next little bit here. Like, it's just he's not helping when he's on the floor, and it sucks because it doesn't take much to make Precious Achua a really useful basketball player. He is really good 
defensively when he's locked in. He has not been super locked in, I will say, the last little while here. That's been concerning. Um, and like, again, the, the sort of lack of even trying to contest shots at the rim, just sort of standing around while other guys kind of jump and leap and try to contest for him. That was really troubling last night. And I don't know what's going on. And again, they put him in at a position where he's not at his best. He's not a true center right now. He doesn't do center things. And they asked him to be the backup center a day after saying, you're not going to be the backup center anymore. That was weird. Maybe the fact that the Nuggets were kind of making a hard charge made it a little bit queasy for Nick Nurse to want to go Christian Coloco in that spot. I'd probably just go Christian Coloco in that spot. The numbers on the season suggest that when you pair Coloco with good players, those lineups are going to be pretty damn good, and they're going to be effective. They're going to, at the very least, be a monster defensively with his length and shot blocking at the rim, and you can figure out the rest offensively. Precious Achua, like... He's as zero of an offensive player as Coloco is right now, and he's not offering the defense. I just, I wonder if maybe, even in a situation where the game is getting a little bit tense, if Coloco would have been the better play there. And it stinks, because, like, development has to happen. He has to learn on the fly. I think Precious is going to be a good player at some point. Like, there's a lot to like here. You know, I, I I suppose there's some concern just about, like, the basic basketball instincts with him sometimes, but it feels like there's enough there physically for him to kind of overcome it because he can just be so bloody overpowering, and we've seen the control he can exercise as an offensive player, fighting through contact, things like that. Like, there's been so much of that this year. We haven't seen it in, like, a month, and I wonder, just in the interest of trying to win these games, get into the play-in, honestly, if you can track down the eighth seed, that'd be amazing. You're one game back of Atlanta right now. It's totally doable. I wonder if in the interest of that, sort of in the same vein of I'm fine if you play the starters 23 minutes a night or whatever it is. I don't really care if you do that. That works for me. It's kind of the same idea of trying to maximize every game here. And Precious Achua is just not maximizing things for you right now. The optimal version of the Raptors does not feature Precious Achua in a heavy minutes load right now. And that sucks because I love Precious. I'm, I'm totally Precious pilled in the grand scheme, but it's been really rough here. And I just... I don't know. <laughs> you, you, there's not like an obvious guy to fill in for him, obviously. Maybe it's just Coloco. You swap Coloco in for Precious. You use Boucher and Barton and Trent as your sort of bench wing guard guys. And Coloco comes in as your straight backup five, whatever Pirtle's sitting. Maybe that's simple. Maybe that makes it work. It's hard to say. We have to see Coloco. We haven't really seen much run from him of late. He's looked good in the G League, so that's good. It's interesting, right? Like, do we see them roll with Coloco? more often and does that sort of hint at a lesser desire to win games and be more sort of development focused for the rest of the season do they care about the results um you know it's kind of a similar thing here if they keep on rolling out a chua it seems like you know, maybe development's taking the higher priority over winning games because right now he's just not helping you win games it, it's it's tricky and, and the other thing too is maybe there's like a g league assignment that could be useful here for precious our friend sam from uh, raptors twitter last night kind of po posted about this and i Kind of piqued my interest a little bit, kind of mentioning the idea of can you send Precious down, you make Coloco the backup center and just get Precious some real run down to the G League to kind of get his confidence back, get his mojo back. Um, and you would need to ask his permission to do that as a third-year player, first of all. You can only send down guys without permission in years one and two. And that could be a bit of an awkward conversation. He's started games for the Raptors this season. He's been branded as a very important piece for this team going forward. You would hope that he's eager to go down and let that like the sort of stink of the G League is no longer a thing, that going down to the G League is not a, you know, a demotion necessarily. It's just a way to go and develop. You would hope that maybe he'd be open to that. I honestly would be open to that. If you could send 
Precious down to the G League just to get some run as sort of like the guy, get him with the ball in his hands, have him feel the ball. It's a difficult position for him to come in, right? His minutes are lower, and so he's got less time in his time on the floor to really make an impact, and you see it, like the overthinking, the, man, I got to do something with it here. Like, that's there. And so, again, I don't love the idea of sending him down because it would be nice if you could just have him up and have him be a core piece of your rotation right now, but it's just not working, and I do wonder if maybe that's the move uh, that Sam suggested uh, of just kind of, hey, Go take a couple of weeks. The G League playoffs are coming up here. Yeah, you potentially risk throwing a big wrench into your G League team as the playoffs draw near, and they have a couple of big games coming up as they fight for a playoff spot. But also, maybe Precious Achua helps you do that. And if you you know you kind of replace Coloco down there with Precious, maybe maybe there's a way to sort to sort of make everybody happy here. I'm not sure, but. It's not great right now with Precious, and I do think maybe an awkward conversation has to be had between the team and him about his minutes going forward this season. Do I think long-term he's going to be fine? Yeah, probably do, but right now it's uh, it's not helping the Raptors when he's out there. We're going to go back on the other side, dig into uh, the good, the bad, and the hmm. We're going to talk about maybe the dunk of the year for the Raptors, the dunk of Raptors history. I don't know. OG Ananobi, holy hell. We're going to talk, we'll talk about Will Barton, and we will also dig into the Race for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. That's all coming up with the good, the bad, and the hmm. Before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, who are the number one sports book in North America. And it's a wonderful time to get in on FanDuel because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. It's a really good time. Very super easy and intuitive and fun. And the same game parlay is really the way to go here. It's my favorite way to bet on a game, especially if you're in person. Go ahead and do that again. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and, of course, locked on. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, rounding it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every single episode of Locked On Raptors after a Toronto Raptors basketball game. And last night was a banger. There's lots of good stuff to pull from this one. We talked about a lot of it in the starters conversation off the top. Let's dive in now to what might be the dunk of the year, the OG Ananobi Statue of Liberty putback dunk in the first half, first quarter, I guess it was, in that 49-point outburst. Might have been in the second. I don't know. I got the the, the I got the blurries after that because it was just totally uh, unbelievable. Just a ridiculous putback dunk. And to me, I think that might be the dunk of the season for the Raptors now. I think it's that or the Chris Boucher near free-throw line transition dunk. And truthfully, I kind of love a, a, an emphatic putback just as like a genre of dunk more than a wide open transition dunk. That said, the Boucher one was pretty nuts. Uh, let us know. That'll be the question of the day down in the comments on the YouTube. Dunk of the season so far for the Raptors. OG's Statue of Liberty put back on the head top of, I believe, Nikola Jokic, which is a pretty fun thing to do. 
emphatic uh, sort of representation of the way OG has handled Nikola Jokic, I suppose, over these last couple games in the last eight days. That dunk or the Chris Boucher transition dunk, maybe I'm forgetting one as well, uh, but those all feel, those two feel like the best ones we've seen so far this year. And they both come pretty recently as well. So really, really good stuff. I love the dunks and OG has just been on one lately. It's really great to see. It seems like the wrist injury has resolved itself. Uh, I would hope so if he's throwing down dunks that hard. And as Nick Nurse said, he's kind of dealt with injuries to both of his hands this season, which seems hard when you're a basketball player. You need your hands for basketball. Really great to see him catching a groove here once again. And uh, making me look extremely stupid for suggesting, oh, the Raptors should trade this guy at the deadline. Uh, maybe they will still trade him, but I think uh, maybe I was making it too simple of, uh, hey, we'll just get some picks for this guy. I can't believe I fell into the trap of trading good players for draft picks like a fool. Uh, I apologize deeply for that. OG rocks, and he is really essential to the starting five as well, looking as good as it has over the last little while. Let's get to the bad. Will Barton is the backup point guard. I don't really know, man. I like I know he's played some point guard in the past as like a, you know, he's the backup ball handler for the Nuggets on a team that hasn't really had a traditional point guard outside of Monte Morris and a team that typically doesn't really need a real point guard because Nikola Jokic is the guy who makes everything happen for that team. So he's not really been a point guard. It's just, it'd be nice if he had a little bit more creativity as a ball handler. It kind of feels sometimes like he's doing the Delano Banton thing where it's just he'll dribble into nothing and then pass around the horn. I don't know. <laughs> it's He's obviously got some scoring touch and punch, and he probably will have bigger games than he's had. You know, he's kind of walking himself into a bucket or two most nights right now and not doing a whole lot to be super effectual. I think he's kind of long and at least disruptive on defense. I don't think he's necessarily great on defense, but he's not like a disaster. I just wonder if maybe, just maybe, it's Jeff Doughton time. And I know he's got the, the G League situation, the two-way contract. He's only got seven games of eligibility left, but I don't know, maybe just make him a full-time NBA player. I'm not saying just go cut Will Barton, but like if you need a guy to cut from the team... I don't think Will Barton is going to be on the team beyond the remaining 13 games of this regular season or whatever happens in the playoffs. And maybe Jeff Doughton's just a better player right now, does a little bit more for you. Obviously, he doesn't really help the offensive troubles. He's not like going to go grab the bull by the horns and be the, the driver of your offense or anything like that. But I, I think, you know, the defense he offers to that position can help you withstand other teams' runs when you have your second unit out there. And... It just Barton's fine. I feel very nonplussed by Will Barton, I suppose. And I guess that should have been the expectation. Bio guys almost never have serious impact on the teams they arrive in, unless you're Ursan Ilyasova and Marco Bellinelli that one season the Sixers won like 18 games in a row to close the year. Um, most of the time, it's just not happening. And so I wonder how many more games they give Will Barton here as the nominal backup point guard. They haven't even really used him as the backup point guard. They're not like running pick and rolls with him and stuff. I mean, in fairness, they haven't played him with Yakup Pertles, so there's no one to run pick and rolls with necessarily. But uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's not really cutting it for me. And it's not like it's bad. It's not totally damaging, but the Raptors bench stinks and he's been a part of it. And so I guess everybody has some blame to share, except maybe Chris Boucher, who kind of just does his thing most nights. Uh, lastly, let's get to the hmm, shall we? And look, I think I'm ready to kind of say that the sort of bar for success, we talked about this last week with Vivek on the show, is sort of like what success for the year. For me right now, if you can catch the Hawks for eighth, 
I think that's pretty good. I, I'd be happy with that. I, I would be satisfied with this playoff chase, end of the season scoreboard watching time if it concluded with an eight seed for the Raptors. They're not catching the heat right now, it doesn't seem. They're three games back in the loss column, uh, and that's a lot to make up in a very short amount of time. They do play the heat one time to close the year, so that's good. Do they play the Heat? I forget now. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have one game left against the Heat. It's the only game they have against any of these teams. The Wizards, I suppose, are behind them still. They play them. They play the Pacers as well. That's just going to be kind of protecting their station and spot against those teams. Uh, They do play the Heat on March the 28th, and so that could be a big one for a potential chase down of the seventh seed. I don't know if that's super realistic right now. That said, if you can get into the 7-8 game, that's huge because it's not a do-or-die first time out in the play-in game you'll host the 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 second game if you lose the play-in game to the heat in that seven eight and the heat feel like eminently beatable i know jimmy butler is like playoff jimmy and all this but i don't know man that's a team that's playing a lot of random dudes you think the raptors have played a lot of random dudes the last couple seasons like the the heat are just like the patron saints of random dudes and i don't know if that is really a formula for playoff success even in a one-off play-in situation. Their offense absolutely stinks. It's one of the offenses that can rival the Raptors for stinkitude, and the Raptors might be better. The Raptors starting five will probably give them a really good shot of winning a game in a one-off situation. If you can ride that starting five for 25 minutes like they have a couple times here, maybe that gives you the, the, the room to just kind of, by math, win a game against the Heat. It's hard to say, but it'd be much better to be in that 7-8 than it would be to be in that 9-10. And the Hawks just don't really seem all that potent or scary or anything like that. They're 34-35. and 35. They can't win more than one game in a row. These two teams, like the Raptors and Hawks, very similar kinds of disappointing this season, I'd say. Uh, if you can pass the Hawks, I think that would be a nice way to close out the year and kind of give you some happiness and juice going into the, the postseason in that play-in game. And then you'll play the, uh, the the Boston Celtics in a 2-7, and the Celtics are struggling. So, hey, second round on the table. Let's go. I uh, <laughs> can't even say it without laughing. We're going to wrap it there, though. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with Katie Heindel to uh, not sure what we're going to talk about just yet. We'll go big picture and have some chats about something. Friday, we're going to break down Raptors Thunder with Vivek Jacob as well. We'll be back to the regular schedule for those two uh, next week. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Thursday, another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown Leafs, as Mike and Dave are doing a great job keeping tabs on the buds as they push their way towards the postseason and uh, seem like they're locked into hosting Tampa Bay in that first-round playoff series. They will have all sorts of preview and uh, discussion ahead of what should be... It'll be a time for the Leafs in the playoffs one way or another. Dave and Mike have you covered there. Go check them out. Go support this show wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye.